0: Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. I was sorry to have to play a repeat of a program last week, but the technical gremlins got into equipment and wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. And if it weren't for the kindness of fellow Trent Radio programmers John and Lynn Morris. I may not have been able to uh, present a show this week either, but uh, we're back up and running again. And uh, so, let me tell you that Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, otherwise known as the CCB, and if you'd like to learn more information about the CCB, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, uh, the first Monday is the when we usually have our monthly feature called Get Together with Kim but uh, we weren't able to be with you last Monday. So let's get right to that now. And uh, we're going to be talking about how to download the QR code from the Ontario government uh, website uh, so that you can uh, carry your proof of vaccination on your phone or um and we also talk a little bit about how to to get it uh onto uh, a wallet sized card so here's our my chat with uh, Kim Kilpatrick who is a coordinator for get together with technologies in Ottawa Ontario it's a, a wing of the CCB so good morning, uh, Kim, and uh, thanks again for coming on. And this time, we're going to be talking about the uh, the new uh, what do they call it? A QR code for vaccination uh, proof.
1: Yeah, for the province of Ontario. Yeah. Presuming most of your listeners are in Ontario. If you're if you're somewhere else, there are different. Sometimes there's an app, or there's a different QR code. Um, you know, so, but this is the one for the province of Ontario.
0: We had a, um, we have a Mac, Macaroni and Cheese Festival going on here. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Peterborough, and last night I went to uh, get my Mac and Cheese fix, and I must have taken my paper with my, uh, proof of vaccination out of my purse because, uh, they had to, oh, no. uh, yeah, my friend had to vouch for me that um, that I had actually had the double dose, so yeah. I need to get this thing into my phone or something.
1: Oh, so, no.
0: So h- how does it uh, how does it work?
1: Well, there was a bit of confusion at the beginning because at first we thought there was going to be an app. Well, so there is an app, but that is for businesses, so they would download... An app, okay, and it would mean that they could scan the QR code. So that's not for us. So originally, I think we all thought we're going to get an app and this and that, and download it, and it's going to be in there, kind of like like COVID alert. You know, when you put your information in, yeah, it was just there. You know, there was you didn't have to do it. But no, not for us. So I guess at the beginning people would download their separate doses, right? So you download dose one and you download dose two, and then you kind of had them around on your phone. And and before, if you showed those two, people would, you know, say, okay, that's great because they saw dose two. But this is like an official, um, sort of like a document, like a PDF from the government, and it has the QR code in it so the businesses could scan that, that QR code. But there's a bunch of... There's a bunch of things you can do. Um, One thing you can do is you can download it and print it, right? And I think that's probably, you know, what you did. Yeah. Um, And so some people find that handy. And you're supposed to also be able to... um, Sometimes they'll ask you to show your provincial ID card. Yeah. Your non-driver's driver's license. Well, so there were a few people here in Ottawa that told me that they have got. They downloaded that uh, the form and printed it. They got it laminated. Um. You know, and they got on the other side laminated their ID card.
2: Ah. They
1: had like one piece of tape, pa- one piece of laminated. Document that had one on, and I thought that was pretty brilliant. I thought, oh, yeah. that's 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 interesting. I'm not sure if the paper, uh, the lamination, means that you can read the QR code, but they seem to think that that was that was, uh, was going to work okay. They hadn't had to use it yet, so they weren't 100 percent sure. But I thought that was quite a neat idea. Yeah, because that way, you know, uh, you've got the one document, you've got everything in the same. In the same place, then yes. you can just, you know, do. It. Sure. So that uh, that's <sighs> one option for you. Another option is to put it on your phone. Okay. So you can do it in many, many ways on your on your on your phone.
2: Mhm.
1: Um, one thing is to just send it to yourself by email, and then you could save it. You know, you could have it in your email email box. Yeah, maybe some people have made a folder, you know, in their in their phone's mail that says you know vaccine or something like that, and put it right in there. Yeah. So that all you have to do is open that message and then open the document, and they can they can see it. So that's an easy way. That's definitely a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, another way to do it is to save it. Um, on your iPhone, there's something called Files, which is a little bit like File Explorer. Okay. Um, and if you open it, and in the when you open a document on your phone, there's something called the Share screen or Share Sheet. Okay. And that gives you all the options that you can you can share. You know, you can uh, you can send it by email. You can you can save it in different files different places and whatever depending on what apps you have on your phone. But one of the things in there is saved to files. And so it would just save it to files on your phone. And so then you would just open files and files has a handy thing called recent. So uh-huh. it could show up, you know, right at the top of your of your files. Yeah. And it would be easy to find as well cuz okay. it's labeled you know, it's labeled correctly, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. So that's another option. Now, there's a newer option, too, that you could put it, like, into your health app or your your wallet oh, where, yeah. where your, you know, credit cards and other things are. Um, that can work quite well, too. It's a little more complicated to get in there and do that. But I think in the latest iOS 15.1, it's pretty easy to do. I just haven't done it, so I would have to come back to you next time and tell you, you know, how easy that is to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely those are ways to, to keep it, like to keep them. Um, I think you could also um, do a combination. So you could have a print one, and then you could decide, well, I'm also going to, I'm going to, um, you know, just keep it on my phone, too, just in case. Like you said, you forgot it, so.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Tricky thing I've found, so there's two tricky things when I save it on my phone, because I used it a few times recently. Uh-huh. And the first one is I keep my screen curtain on on my phone, so it means my screen is black. People can't see, you know, when I'm typing and whatever. Ah, right. Of course, they can't see anything, so you have to remember to turn that off. Yeah. But also, I even have to turn voiceover off because sometimes they're sort of scrolling and trying to see it. Oh, dear. And if voiceover's on, their gestures, like what they need to do to see it will not work. Uh Uh-huh. So I have to turn voiceover right off and then turn it back on. Now, luckily, you can ask Siri to do that. But it is a bit of a pain because you're, you know, you're pulling out your phone, you're saying, turn voiceover off, and well, you have to open it first and find it, right? So you find it, maybe before you go out, you find it, you have it set, then you turn, you turn voiceover off. Off, yeah. And then you go to them, and then you turn voiceover back on. It's not uh, horrible, but it's... You know, it's, it is a bit inconvenient. Silly. and yeah. And if you do turn voiceover off, so even if I have screen curtain on all the time, which I do, if I turn voiceover off, my screen curtain will go off. Like, you know, will go off too because obviously with voiceover gone, it's going to be visible. So at least with Siri, you can ask it to do it. The other, um, the other tricky thing is if your phone is locked and then... You're wearing a mask, and you're out, and you're trying to, you know. So sometimes the print one you know, could be even the easiest way, you know, in, in, a, in a sense. Like I'm not yeah. saying people shouldn't keep it on their phone. I think it's, it's probably a good idea to do that. But uh, there are a few odd, you know, things about doing that. Like,
0: yeah. I'm thinking what I might do is do the print thing and get it laminated, you know, in a, on a little card. And uh, because I always have my wallet with me.
1: Well, so so. you just want to make sure. So what the person said, and I don't know um, when you would do that, you just have to make sure that it's big enough that the QR code will be there that they can read it. Okay. So I don't know how they did that. I guess they asked someone at the store, you know, they said they needed to laminate it. Um, you know, they wanted it on a card. But, you know, it would have to be, it couldn't be a tiny, tiny card, probably. Also, the print would be so small, like if they're trying to look at your name or whatever, like if they, you know, if the QR doesn't work and they're trying to see. So it might be more the size of a, like a recipe card. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be the size of a 3.5 card, 3x5 card, or, you know, a bit bigger card than. Your business card, card like, or a credit card size card, or a, yes, you know, I because I think that might be too small. Okay, for various, various reasons, but I don't know. So that would be the thing. Like if you went to somewhere to do it, you you could then ask the person, you know, how do I do this so that this is still all visible? Yes, you know, yeah. and 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 easy for someone to to take a look. Um, yeah. So. I think that's a great idea and I think I think they got the person I was talking to got maybe three or four of them or you know something like that and they put them in different
2: oh yeah
1: you know they put them in their wallet and then they put one in you know in their jacket thing or you know somewhere else that they you know in a different bag like if you have two backpacks or yeah you have you have things like that I think it's I'm really happy that you know, they're still insisting that we have all this, that we show it. Yes. And, of course, coming up, I know November 1st is when VIA is going to insist. Oh, okay. And seeing it. Yeah. They don't yet insist on it, although they do insist, you know, masks and stuff on there and uh, stuff. But they will insist as of November 1st in seeing your, your double dose. And I think airlines, too, maybe, but I'm not a hunt. I know they will, but I just don't know. Yes. And, but I did read about VIA uh, doing that on November the 1st. Yeah. So there's going to be more and more that you're going to have to... You're going to have to show it. And um, like you said, like, if you if you just go in and get a takeout something and take it home, you don't have to show it because you're not, you know, Staying sitting there with a the mask off. But know. if you are going to sit down for a coffee... know they're gonna ask you or if you're gonna and especially now they're all open again at full capacity that yeah you know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to ask you and yeah i think it's good i think it is good i i sort of wish we had a national one because i was talking to someone who traveled out of province and they said that they they went into Quebec and they said that the, the Quebec one is different, like it's an app. So when they were trying to scan the QR code, that wouldn't work for the Ontario code, and they just had to read the information, which was fine. Uh huh. But I wish there was a national one because then, you know, it's a bit complicated. If yes, you know, if we have this and then, you know,
0: another province has an app else.
1: or something, and then. Or Quebec, I think, has an app. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. You know, some have an app, and some have this or this thing. And then, you know, it's complicated for business people, too, because they're trying to scan a QR code, and it's like, no, I can't scan that one. Why is that one not working? Yeah. You know, so it is It is a bit complicated.
0: Right. Now, know? do you happen to know uh, if people wanted to download uh, whatever they have to download Uh, Here in Ontario, do you happen to know where they have to to go?
1: Uh, I clicked on the link that was, like, kind of in an article. But I imagine if you go to ontariopublichealth.ca, I would think, you know, you'll find it. or, Or even your public health units, like, if you go to, you know, whatever, like ours is Ottawa Public Health, I think. Yeah you go to OttawaPublicHealth.ca here, or if you go to Peterborough, whatever yeah. it's called, they would have a link to it as well. Like right. They would say, to, you know, you're going to have to be double dose and that's the thing. You're going to have to have QR code, and here's your... Well, so at the beginning, so when it started, which was a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah. The first day, they said, okay, if you were born between April and this, or between January and April, you can go on this day, and you can go on that day. If you aren't. And it apparently, my mom tried to do it and she couldn't get in. And so I think I didn't do it till after that was over. I waited. I didn't really need it, but. You know, I waited, and I got in no problem, and I would imagine now you can, but I guess those first couple days, maybe people were just panicked, and they wanted to make sure they had it, and so it ended up being worse in some ways for her, because she, my mom got scared, like, you know, she went in, and she tried to get in, and then she couldn't get in. She said, maybe that's really hard. I don't know what to do, and I said, well, maybe, no, maybe it's just crowded, like everyone's trying to get in. Yeah. Maybe, you know, that's not good. So,
0: she waited uh, did she and then she got in
1: yeah she waited and then yeah. she got in no problem so it was he said i just i'm just not good at tech and I won't be able to i said no i don't think it's that, because you know it's just there but when you there's here's one thing you need to know so when you do go in there and i did not know this but when you do go in there it gets you to fill out of information about yourself so they can check about your doses ah and one of the things is about your old hip number and it said the numbers on the front and on the back. Oh yeah. My own hip number brailed out. And yeah. it's like nine numbers or 10 and then it's like two letters. Yes. But there's a whole whack of other numbers on the back which I did not know. Oh. Yeah. Uh,
0: I wouldn't know that either.
1: Those numbers. Like, you know, if you're you're doing ADP or you're doing, you know, like it's the 10-digit number or however many digits, I think it's 10 digits, right, that you have to do. Yeah. It's that you have to do. Uh Uh-huh. And the two letters. But I said, what do you mean numbers? There's no more numbers. I don't have them. Well, then I had to get someone to read me, you know, the numbers. So make sure before you go in there to fill out the form that you know because I didn't even know there were extra numbers on your old card. So make makes sure you get someone to read that for you. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, this is a really good question, So I'm not 100% sure what would happen if you're by yourself and you don't have anyone around that could do that and you don't feel comfortable, you know, like just asking someone. Um, I'm not sure what they would do. Like it's interesting to wonder if you called them and said, listen, I can't. You know, or some people that just don't have internet. or Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know much about that. Like, I don't know how. I know you can get it mailed to you, but I just don't know. You can probably call them and do that. But, you know, again, like, if you if you couldn't read back all your numbers yeah, effectively, you know, that you could have a problem with that.
0: Yeah. So you need that to fully download everything, eh?
1: Yeah, because when you first go in there, there's kind of a... There's a bit of a form you have to do, which is understandable. You know, your name and your yeah. code, I think, and then your OHIP number. And then when you do that, and I think your date of birth. And that form was very accessible. It was very really accessible. I just didn't know I had all those numbers on my...
0: Yeah, list. really, yeah.
1: And uh, so when you do that, then it populates into this, this sort of PDF document, which was definitely readable. Like, it just... Just puts it in, and it says when you got your doses, what they were, you know, all that, all that kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
1: So, but just yeah. So just it'll be interesting to see what listeners say, and what people say about how they were able to do it and what they felt.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you're always welcome to send in feedback to. Uh, um insightpeterborough at gmail.com and uh, we can share it. So next month is December. Uh, Any ideas of what we might talk about? Anything Christmassy or?
1: Yeah, we could probably. We could, we could, um, kind of, I'll have to look back at some of the stuff we talked about, like whether we talked about, you know, um, I did hear, that people say that if you want to shop for Christmas, you might want to start early because yes, supply is oh hunting. You yes. Get what you want to get. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, well, well, we'll think about it. And if anyone has any ideas or any tips or anything they want to, you know, they could send it to us and we could we could talk about that. Yeah.
0: Um, InsightPeterborough at gmail.com. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, Kim, for oh, thank you uh, so much. Um, kind of uh, steering us in the right direction here, and uh, hopefully people will be able to either get their information printed, their vaccination information printed, or downloaded onto their phone or tablet or whatever it is. Or
1: do both.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can save it on your computer, too. Like, that's probably a good thing once you get it. Yes. So say you get it on your computer, if that's the way you fill in the form. Right. You can save it there and email it to yourself and just keep it there, right? You can keep it there so that you can, you know, you can print it, you can email it to yourself, you can yeah, you know, give it to others or whatever you need to do with it. Right. I yes. mean, you can always go get it again, I'm sure, but it's just easier and save it. Save it in a few places, and then you don't have to worry about it. That's
0: right, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right,
0: well, you take good care, and uh, we'll talk again in December. Sounds good. We've had some local developments since my chat with Kim, and that is uh, that on November 9th and December 3rd, there will be Clinics to assist us in downloading the QR codes for the uh, from the government uh, website, and uh, the, uh, if you don't get this for the uh, in time for the November 9th um, clinic, you can do it on December third, and uh, that will be part of their celebration of the International Day for Persons with Disabilities. And the clinics are going to be taking place uh, at the office of the uh, Peterborough Council for Persons with Disabilities, 270 George Street North, and it's uh, downstairs. So you have to take the elevator down. So if you want to get in touch with him, All you have to do is send an email to info at pcpd.ca. So that's info at pcpd.ca. Or you can call them to make an appointment at 705-874-8661. That's uh, 705-874-8661. From all the emails that I've been getting lately, I can tell you that November is going to be a very exciting month for Fighting Blindness Canada. So I thought that it was once again time to get hold of the chief executive officer of Fighting Blindness Canada, Doug Earle, to have a chat with him about everything that's coming up and uh, everything that he would like you to pay attention to. Well, hi there, Doug, and uh, welcome back to the program.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: So as usual, we have a fair bit to uh, talk about today and um, uh, starting in uh, November as we are now, or will be when people hear this um, interview. Um, I guess the first thing on the agenda is the eye for the cure, um, which is an interesting kind of competition for researchers, isn't it?
3: It is. We're You know, the, we're living in such uh, challenging times for vision research funding. You know the, the federal government just had its spring competition for research, and uh, it one one in uh, six grants were accepted. So, seventeen percent success rate. Um, and and of course, with uh, with the COVID impact on research, it's it's quite challenging. Though so as a result of that, Fighting Blindness Canada has launched Eye on Your uh, Eye on the Cure. Uh, November thirteenth at uh, eight p.m., we're going to be broadcasting live uh, a very unconventional research competition. Uh, we've we've challenged early investigators, people who want to launch their research career. Uh, Invision Research uh, to compete for a, over a hundred thousand dollars in research funding, wow. uh, and and we're going to give people who who buy a ticket to the show uh, a, an opportunity to vote for the Heathbridge People's Choice Award uh, for for thirty thousand dollars to fund one of those research projects. Uh, we've put together an academy of uh, sort of. Of thought leadership and research some of our uh, major uh, donors together uh, as an academy to vote on on our, our researcher to watch award of fifty thousand dollars and then and then everyone is who uh, participates we've got four teams competing for this funding mm-hmm. uh, that they, they would get ten thousand uh, dollars to invest in their research so everyone everyone participating the, the finalists the uh, uh, that that are that are a part of the competition uh, will will have an investment uh, in into the research. We'll be doing that grant agreement with their university and hospital, uh, so for them to uh, to to invest in research. So it's it's just uh, it, you know this challenging time we're in, where we're trying to raise understanding of research, uh, how how decisions are made around which research is meritorious, which is the most promising, and we're giving people you uh, the opportunity to, uh, to vote uh, as to uh, uh, for the Heathbridge People's Choice Award.
0: Wow, that's terrific. Um, and um, when do people, I guess maybe I should start by asking um, how do people get hold of uh, tickets and how much are the tickets?
3: So the, the website to buy your tickets which is a which is a tax it's hundred it's a hundred dollars and, and we'll be issuing a tax receipt for the full value of hundred dollars. Okay. But it's a it is a charitable gift. Uh but so that's FBCi on dot So FBCi on the is the website where you can buy your t- buy your tickets, get make the hundred dollar donation and, and support vision research. Uh, and, and then people, uh, everyone that will get a, a uh, unique uh, uh, link, uh, URL, to be able to view the show. And, uh, and during the show, they'll be asked to vote for the Heathbridge People's Choice Award.
0: Okay. And is there a, a deadline by which tickets uh, must be bought?
3: The show is going live at eight p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, November thirteenth. So, uh, and so, you know, hopefully, if you can buy it by Friday, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we have time to get the get you the link uh, to be able to participate. And and it's just it's just so inspiring. Uh, you know, we've engaged uh, an individual, uh, Sarah Habib. Who uh, just graduated uh, with her PhD in research, and she's been coaching these these four uh, teams, the aspiring vision researchers, on how to how to explain their research, how to present it, how to, how to share it, so so that they have the best shot at at uh, being awarded the the researcher to watch award to help encourage people for the Heathbridge People's Choice Award. Um, so it's it's been quite exciting. I mean, these these young people—they've uh, been in university uh, training for uh, many, a couple of them for over ten years—to uh, get to this point in their career, they want to launch their research. They want to dedicate the next twenty, thirty years trying to solve the mysteries of of blindness and, and the eye, and uh, just just—it's so inspiring to hear their story. And and what they're trying to do? Oh my gosh! Like the 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 it's it's the full gambit from uh, stem cell research to an app that could be used in in uh, the rural remote parts of Canada in order to do a uh, uh, maintain and, and identify early if if you're uh, starting starting that biological process that leads to blindness.
2: Oh wow! Uh,
3: so it, it's just I, I really encourage people to. To visit the cure. ca, buy it, you know, make the donation, hundred dollar donation. Come and participate. Listen to these young, inspiring people and what they're trying to do, and and cast the vote uh, to help help inspire them, help inspire their research. Uh, it's just it's just uh, so exciting just talking to them, listening to them, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen, uh, you know, uh, for their show.
0: Yeah. And uh, you'll announce the winner that night.
3: Uh, the yes, we'll be announcing the uh, researcher to watch award, mm-hmm. and uh, the people's choice award. Will we have to tally up the votes? Uh, so that that'll be announced uh, the following week.
0: Ah, okay, yeah. On that same website, or you'll just send out a press release or
3: something? Uh, well, well, we'll definitely be updating all the people that, that have signed up. It'll be on the website. Uh, it'll be on our Facebook page, the Fighting Blindness. Yes. Uh, the Facebook page. Uh, and it'll be a part of our e-news, our monthly e-news that goes out in December.
0: Right. Okay. And then you have a, a petition to increase awareness of... Uh, Vision loss in Canada—that's oh, running.
3: Yes. So, so uh, as as we've talked about before, uh, the Canadian Council of Blind, Fighting Blindness Canada, the Canadian Association of Optometrists, so the optometrists, and and the Canadian Ophthalmological Society, so the ophthalmologists, um, work together to create uh, and and study what is the social economic cost. Canadians and the world four times on the world stage since 2003 that they would implement a national vision health plan. Wow. And, and they have not. Okay. They, and as recently as uh, in the General Assembly at the United Nations in July, they voted to say we're going to launch uh, a national health vision plan. Uh, but since 2003, that has not happened. So this petition is, especially now that. that Parliament's coming back, a new government's been elected. That's right. uh, we we really need a new health ministers in place. Like we we need this national health vision plan and I strongly encourage people to go to Vision uh, to sign the petition so that we can we can raise our voice, stand up and be heard, and help help the four organizations and, and our other vision partners uh, to to talk to government about why this is important. You know, and just uh, if, uh, in October, uh, we released uh, our, our, an analysis, a report that the that the four organizations did on the impact of COVID on eye health in Canada. Yes, and and I, you know, I am firmly of the belief that if we hadn't had a national vision health plan, uh, you know, the impact of almost fifteen hundred people experiencing vision loss because of of the canceled eye exams or uh, uh, the cancelled eye the surgeries, uh, you know, so just, Devin, what we found in this report, that almost 3 million uh, eye exams in optometry did not happen in March 2020 to December 2020. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that part of the COVID, uh, that compared to 2019 in our earlier report, you know, and that means that means people are not getting diagnosed early. That means right. if if you're especially if you have age-related drive, age-related macular degeneration, you have diabetic retinopathy, you have glaucoma, but you're managing your pressure levels, or you have cataracts. You know, you're not you you're not getting that regular eye exam done. Those you know, there are three million less that that would say, oh, you've reached the point where now you need to get treatment, uh, and and then. The other impact, of course, is 143,000 eye surgeries did not happen. They were cancelled because of COVID. Yes. And, and in Ontario, the majority of those happen in Ontario. There are other parts of the, of the country where, where there wasn't such a dramatic impact. But because of all those cancelled surgeries, our, our report is finding that it will take over two years for the system to, to absorb all those cancelled uh, uh, surgeries and, and as well... Uh, almost seventy thousand eye injections did not happen for age-related macular degeneration when it became the wet form, and or diabetic macular edema when when it, the complication becomes more severe. And that's when bleeding in the eye is happening. And this treatment has stabilized over a hundred thousand Canadians wow. each year that their sight, so they're not losing sight. But this did not. This is what happened because of of. Uh, covid and its collateral damage and you know we we looked at our report and we looked at a uk report done by the same organization deloitte access economics Mm -hmm. and and it was stark uh you know the the uk is about double our size and population and and you know we we noticed for example those Yes.
0: Almost criminal, isn't it, to think that all that time has gone by and all those people have lost sight unnecessarily?
3: Absolutely, almost 1,500 Canadians have experienced vision loss just in wow. Uh and then and then it's all the damage, like that. You know, if you're, uh, you know, we found in the cost of vision loss report earlier in the year that in 2019, uh, for example, cataract surgeries. That are funded by the public system, uh, you know that number has has not really changed since er, since the last ten years. Uh-huh. Still sitting at around four hundred thirty five thousand surgeries. Wow! Uh, and and you know it was a, it was just under four hundred thirty thousand ten years ago. Yet you know the number of people that that have uncorrectable vision loss has doubled. The, the number of people, it went from 5 million to eight over 8 million people living with uh, a blinding eye disease that could uh, lead to, puts them at significant risk of blindness. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, they, what what does this all mean, Devin? It, it means that people are going to surgery longer, wait time. You know, just that 143,000 surgeries added a month, longer wait time. Yeah. And, de- and depending on what region of the province you're in, uh, what region of the country you know wait times vary like if you're oh, yes. if you're in woodstock uh, you know it's it's basically 30 40 day wait. if you're you know in Aaron sound it's a year wow uh, you know that, that wait times even even st Michael's Hospital Toronto general or sorry the Toronto Western Hospital you know their wait times are 460 70 days uh, right now uh, 300 for st Mike's but so those are you know, that, that has an impact. It, it means, you know, once you get diagnosed, uh, the wait time to get your surgery, uh, you know, damage is being done, uh, the the, the um, lens is, is more inflexible, uh, you know, and, and so it's a more complicated surgery. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why we found in our report 37% of the 1.2 million people living with vision loss uh, was as a result of cataracts.
0: Wow,
2: and
3: i I believe it's because of the in part because of those delays.
0: Yes. and the difficulty that the optometrists are having with the Ontario government can't help the situation any. No,
3: and and this is this is unfortunately for you know the most vulnerable in our society, uh, you know, children under uh, eighteen. Uh, adults that are living with uh, a medical condition that that puts their sight at risk, like diabetes, uh, and seniors over sixty-five yeah. you know, that that are at the at a very high risk of of developing uh, a blinding eye disease, losing sight. Uh, you know, it, because the, the prevalence rate of is one in four uh, over the age of uh, seventy in developing a blinding eye disease. Wow. It, so the, you know, the, this is this is the population that's being impacted by this current uh, work stoppage and and this dispute between the Ministry of Health and optometrists. You know, and it, it's been a long-standing challenge. Many. Provincial governments over 30 years, okay. that basically the fee structure for this regular eye exam uh, and and services uh, paid by OHIP um, has has basically been stayed the same. We're now uh, the uh, lowest rate in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next lowest, uh, so we're about 47 dollars uh, for that service, uh, and and the next lowest is Manitoba at 71 dollars.
2: Oh wow!
3: Um, Alberta Alberta Uh, as we found out in that cost of blindness, the 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 impact, on the social economic impact was thirty two point nine billion dollars. Wow! In, um, in Canada in twenty nineteen, uh, the pandemic cancellations are adding one point three billion to that social economic cost.
2: Oh my goodness!
3: And 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 you know that like I care is is uh, impacting uh, you know is putting eight billion people at risk and. And we're projecting that that number is going to grow to 13.6 billion right in, sorry in, uh, in uh, 2050 and the cost of blindness if, if we don't make any health policy changes if we don't have research discoveries that prevent or restore sight uh, you know that, that that cost is going to grow from 32 point nine billion to 15 point6 bit or sorry 50 point six billion in 2050. Uh, so in that and that's that 50 point six billion is in 2019 dollars right. not even taking into account inflation so that so that you know that, that this is a major concern um, you know and it's it's so unfortunate because so so often vision loss is unseen uh, you know people are accommodating or they're you know they're just they're not engaging and and uh, yet yet we know research has delivered three out of four if you're diagnosed early and you have access to treatment we can stabilize your sight and and we did find in the report that that um, you know the number of people living with severe vision loss blindness was had actually reduced and, and it was more mild and moderate which of course has less of an impact on, on social economic impact
0: yes so where what is that website again where people can go to sign that petition
3: it's stop Dot
0: okay. And you also wanted to talk about the uh, report that uh, COVID has had on eye care.
3: Yeah. So, so I winked that in, <laughs> but but just to, just to give a little uh, synopsis, uh, what we found uh, was that almost uh, 1,500 uh, Canadians had experienced vision loss due to the COVID pandemic and the collateral damage of all those Canceled appointments, almost almost three million, optometry visits, less one hundred and forty three thousand, less canceled eye surgeries, primarily in cataract, but also glaucoma and other surgeries, and and almost seventy thousand eye injections uh, with anti-vigets that did not happen uh, in between March twenty twenty and and December twenty twenty. Wow. So so that and and, you know in different parts of the uh, of the country. You know, uh, we're we're still experiencing it. Alberta, Saskatchewan have canceled elective surgeries. Yes. uh, Because because of the the uh, uh, incident rates of of COVID happening in those provinces. Fortunately, in Ontario, uh, we you know the Delta we seem to be doing okay. Vaccination rates are are strong and. And the preventive measures are being, you know, prudently withdrawn. So, so hopefully we won't have to go back to cancel surgeries because already what happened in 2020 is going to take two years for the system to to deal with all the backlog, um, just adding to the wait times. So yeah, so that, that that's
0: Is there a spot where people can go if they want to read that uh, report?
3: Yes. So it's the phone website, uh, stopvisionloss.ca. Okay. And, and you can get the original reports uh, from Delayed Access Economics. Uh, Dr. Keith Gordon uh, uh, did it with the lead investigator. He wrote a summary of the report, so it's a little more friendly uh, to understand. Yeah. Uh, and also the COVID update. And, and Dr. Gordon uh, wrote another summary of, of the COVID update with recommendations that we're making to be a part of that national efficient Health plan.
0: Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, touch on? Uh,
3: well, uh, just the, the one last thing is uh, uh, we, we uh, did launch funding runss Canada did launch our 2021 research grant competition and uh, had uh, over almost 40 grants come in. Uh, we brought together uh, uh, 27 reviewers from around the world uh, to uh, uh, Canadians and international experts, thought leaders. Uh, and uh, so we're, we're uh, just... Right now, we've got the recommendations from our reviewers. Uh, we're trying to square the budget uh, to see how many of these meritorious grants we can fund, uh, but unfortunately uh, I know already that that uh, we have more uh, scientifically meritorious, uh, so great science and, and, and very promising uh, research uh, that we will not be able to fund in this competition. So, uh, so that's unfortunate, but uh, but of course, if you want to help support Vision Research Fighting Blindness to make a donation to support it, and hopefully we are hoping to fund six grants. You know, I'd love to be able to do seven or eight. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to do all of the meritorious science grants, but but that would make a big dent, and that and you know it would be a shame if one of the Canadian pharmaceutical alliance is the office that negotiates on behalf of the provinces uh, for these treatments uh, to be public. like that would be a framework agreement. You know, they they're still thinking about whether or not they want to negotiate.
2: Oh my goodness!
3: And so, and so we're you know it's it's such a shame because uh, you know the people that are living with this gene are losing an estimated 10,000 photoreceptors a day. But they don't have to now. Now that we have this approved treatment, mm. and and uh, you know, it, it's also it's a signal to uh, you know, if we were publicly funding Luxturna, it would be a signal to the research community, uh, both both the researchers that that your work can actually be a, a funded treatment, and and to the biotech sector that that takes those lab discoveries and turns them into clinical trials that, that then become treatments, you know, that, that there, is, there is a market, that there will be an opportunity for, you, for your treatment to be, your investment to be returned. And so it's such an important t- moment in time. This is our first one. This sets the precedent for all these treatments that are coming. Um, and so if, if you have not visited ApproveLixterna.ca, let's ApproveLixterna.ca and sent the email to the Premier uh, and the Health Minister. Uh, I encourage you to do so uh, because uh, we need we need to uh, stand up, uh, let the vision loss community voice be heard. Uh, that this is too important. You know, at, at Fighting Blindness Canada, we're tracking over eighty clinical trials happening in uh, inherited retinal space. A lot of gene therapies are being tested. Uh, in the age-related macular generation, there's over thousand active trials right now. Some very promising new treatments for dry AMD, some gene therapy being tested, stem cells. Uh, in glaucoma, uh, we, we're tracking about 600 uh, clinical trials around the world, and in diabetes uh, related vision complications, about uh, just about 500. So, wow. so, you know, this is an amazing moment in time where those lab discoveries are moving forward. And something like approval externa just, just gives hope. And and gives it says it can be done, and uh, you know if, if we move forward in Canada and other countries don't don't publicly fund this uh, treatment, uh, then then it really puts a damper on all this innovation and, and treatments reaching with the market.
0: Yes, and that would be a shame. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, continued good luck there, Doug, and uh, we'll uh, definitely chat with you uh, in the, at the beginning of the new year. Thank you, Devin. Take good care. Thank you. Thanks. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Insight Peterborough. Thanks so much for listening, and I do hope that you'll be able to join me next week. Until then, have yourself a good week and good uh, Remembrance Day. And uh, we do pause to remember our veterans and everything that they did for us. So uh, take care and talk soon. Bye for now.